Well, church, we are on our fourth sermon in a series on the man, a man of the Old Testament, Jacob. He was the grandson of Abraham. And as I've said over and over and over again, Abraham is our father through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, Today, in our passage, we are going to see that Abraham is our father through Jacob because his blessing gets passed on to him. So I wanted to give a quick review of where we've been in this story because, you know, it's been a few weeks and uh, some of you haven't been here every single week. Jacob and Esau, they were brothers. They were born of Rebekah, and while they were still in her belly, God told Rebekah that the older would serve the younger. Esau was born first, and he would normally be expected to be the head of the family when his father died, but Jacob, who was born second, he would receive the blessing. That's what God told to Rebekah. So Esau... Uh, works this out in his own life because he ends up forfeiting his birthright by swearing to Jacob that it would be Jacob's birthright in exchange for a bowl of stew. He was hungry. He was hangry. And he wanted food more than the heavenly blessing. We looked at that story two weeks ago. Last week, we looked at how even though Esau swore the birthright over to Jacob, Esau still thought he could get the blessing of the firstborn from Isaac, his father, their father. And then we saw in the story again this rather goofy scene how uh, Rebekah facilitated Jacob dressing up like Esau to deceive his blind father to get the blessing for himself. And uh, like I said, it was kind of comedic. I mean, can you imagine tying goatskins around you and thinking this is what my son feels like, goat hair all over him. Anyways... Esau finds out that his brother Jacob, his younger brother Jacob, has deceived his father, and he decides in his rage that he wants to kill him. Don't kill your brothers and sisters, folks. I know I probably don't need to say that out loud, but, you know, every once in a while we got to. Uh, Jacob, uh, excuse me, Esau's really angry, though. So angry, he uh, wants to kill his own brother. Rebecca, once again, finds out about this plan, so she decides to send Jacob off to her relatives who live elsewhere. And there, Jacob will be safe until his brothers... It's music to our ears. They're screaming about Jesus. The rocks need not cry out. So Jacob goes off to stay with some relatives elsewhere. There Jacob will be safe until, you know, his brother's wrath has abated. You know, time heals at least some things. Um, So this is where we pick up the story today. Jacob is traveling. He's on his way to these relatives, and he meets God on the road. So let's read from Genesis chapter 28. We're going to begin in verse 10, keeping along in the story. And it's, uh, sorry, the page number is page 21 very close to the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, which means beginning. That's convenient, isn't it, that the first book of the Bible is called Beginning? Genesis chapter 8, verses 10 through 22 on page... Oh, I missed it again, John. I'm sorry. You keep on... Page 21. I should have remembered it. (laughs) Here we go. 
Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. Reached to heaven. And behold, angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, and said I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring, all the families of the earth shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I'll give a full tenth to you. The word of the Lord. So we, thanks indeed. So we see here that what was at stake in the blessing of the firstborn wasn't just some kind of family honor. It wasn't to get the primary disbursement of the inheritance. It was, in fact, a matter of God's calling and God's purposes. If you've been here, you'll remember that I've reminded us over and over again that this story is the continuation of the story that began with Abraham. God called Abraham out of nowhere, quite frankly, out of nowhere. He met Abraham on a road when he was wandering, and he said to Abraham, I will be your God. He said to Abraham, I will give you the land, a land that you can settle in, and you will have many children, and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This blessing was passed on to Isaac, Abraham's son. And now we see it's passed on to Jacob. This was unexpected from a human perspective. As I've been saying again, everyone else would have thought that the blessing would be conferred upon Esau because he was the firstborn. But Jacob got it. He got it, though. Cheating and being deceitful, but all in God's plans nonetheless. Now, like I've said, God meets Jacob on the road, just like he met Abraham, Jacob's grandfather. And we just read it. He bestows on Jacob, Abraham's blessing. God says to him, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, your father. He tells him that he'll make his offspring as many as the dust of the earth, and he tells them that in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And it's worth noting, once again, that we, all of us here today, are recipients of that blessing. 
This blessing was given to Jacob by his father, but ultimately was given to him by the Lord. All of us here today are the nations who received the blessing of Jesus Christ in Jacob. And that's why this story is so important. This is worth keeping in mind when we, you know, consider the craziness of all these stories. And all of the deceit and the cheating, it's good to keep this stuff in mind. God gave us the blessing of eternal life through all the nonsense and all the chaos. But let's, let's get back to the story. I want to walk through the stories I've been doing. Then, as we have done, we're going to see Christ in the stories, and then we'll conclude with, some, with a word of exhortation for ourselves as a church. So let's get to the story. Jacob leaves, and he's on his way when it gets dark, and he needs to take a rest. So the story says that he takes a stone that he sees lying on the ground, and he puts his head under, he puts his head, uh, excuse me, he puts a stone under his head to fall asleep. What a wretched existence, huh? I don't know about you, but if I'm going to sleep somewhere on the ground in the wilds, which I have done on many occasions. I'm not really thinking that a stone is going to be great for a pillow. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to find some, if anything, I'm going to at least find a branch or maybe like put my arm under my head. I don't know. I'm, I just, it's an interesting choice. But despite what I perceive as being a, a, a quite uncomfortable, he falls asleep. It's got to be uncomfortable, but he falls asleep. And maybe this is part of the point, because, I mean, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're really uncomfortable, when you're trying to sleep, you actually dream more vividly? I mean, this, like, happens with, like, fevers, right? You get fever dreams. You know, everything's really vivid when you have, like, a 102.1 fever. Usually they're not good dreams. But I've also found this, like, when I'm uncomfortable in other ways. Like, if I have a pulled muscle in my back or something like that, I'm prone to, like, really vivid dreams. Anyway, maybe that's what's happening to Jacob because, you know, his head's on this rock. So God uses his discomfort as an opportunity to speak to him. And that brings me to my point that it's not just a vivid dream. This is a divine dream. It's not just discomfort. God is speaking to him. And it's worth noting, by the way, real quick, that God still speaks to his church in dreams. I mean, right? Many of you here have had dreams that we believe God has given you for his kingdom. You've shared them with me. Pastor Abby and I have, an, have on at least one occasion experienced nearly identical dreams on the same night. If that isn't God, I don't know what is. And we only found out about it later when we talked about it. Our dream was about how God had put us in this neighborhood to chase out the demons in the name of Jesus. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this present darkness. Now, to be sure, not all dreams are from God, but some are. And that's worth keeping in mind. God has promised us that when he gives us his Holy Spirit, like we celebrated on Pentecost, there is always a possibility he will speak to us in dreams. Your young men will dream dreams. That's what the Bible says. If you have kids... It's worth mentioning this to them. There was a young man named Samuel once who heard God's voice in the middle of the night. And your children can also hear God's voice in the middle of the night. 
You could ask them if God has ever spoken to them in a dream. I ask Laz this sometimes. I also ask him if he sees angels. I've said the story before, but uh, one time he said yes, that he did see an angel. And I asked him what the angel said. And, the angel, and he said that the angel said, hola. <laughs> I guess we're speaking Spanish in heaven. Anyways, you can ask your children if, uh, if God has ever spoken to them in a dream and tell them that they can expect him to do so. Katie, you can do this for that baby that's coming too, so keep this in mind, all right? But coming back to Jacob's dream, he sees an open heaven, and there's a ladder, or you know, it could have been more like a staircase of some sort. And on the ladder, angels were ascending and descending between heaven and earth. Angels going up and down. Church, this is another thing worth noting. We can entertain angels. The heavens have been opened in Jesus, and, and angels are ascending to and descending from heaven. Heaven and earth are only somewhat distinct places because we have communion with these heavenly beings in Christ Jesus. And sometimes, like I already said, angels talk to us like they talk to the Virgin Mary or like they talk to Joseph, her betrothed, and like they talk to the women at the tomb after Jesus come back from the dead. You know, there was one time that a woman uh, who told us that she was homeless came to the church repeatedly over several days. It was a few years ago now. And uh, we showed her what hospitality we could. And after she left, Pastor and Abby and I remarked to each other that we were pretty sure that this woman was actually an angel. Not all people without a home are angels, but angels, like Jacob and like Jesus, are almost always homeless. And that's why the Bible says we should always show hospitality, because when, well, you just never know when you're entertaining the heavenly host. So again, coming back to the dream, the Lord speaks to Jacob in the dream, and he tells him that he is bestowing upon him the blessing of Abraham as I've already mentioned. And he wakes up. I wonder if he had a headache. But whatever pain in his head or whatever knot in his neck, I don't know how tall the rock was, but like I can also imagine that, you know, sleeping like this. Whatever stiffness he had in his back from sleeping on the rocky ground, he doesn't notice. At least the Bible says he doesn't notice because God has spoken. And that's all that's on his mind and on his heart. He says, how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. It says that Jacob took the very stone that his hard head had slept on, and he props it up, always to be an altar, a memorial, the stone to remember what had happened here. The stone represents the earth, and then he pours oil on it, and the oil represents the presence of God. This place, the house of God, the gate of heaven, is, bunch, is but a bunch of lifeless stones, but these stones are drenched in the presence of God. He calls that place Bethel, and Bethel just means house of God in Hebrew. It is this moment that Jacob becomes a Christian. 
I know that sounds kind of weird. I mean, hasn't Jacob been a Christian this whole time, or at least hasn't he subscribed to the faith of his grandfather Abraham? I mean, perhaps, but to me, it is remarkable how Jacob has lived his life thus far seemingly without much reference to the God who prophesied about him while he was still in his mother's womb. He's rather been cheating and lying and deceiving like someone else that we know about. But this is the moment where Jacob makes a commitment. He says that if God will be with him, if God will keep him, if God will give him food and clothing, if God will bring him back to his family, then he'll serve God. God has already said that he's going to do all this, by the way. So Jacob is basically just saying, if you're the God who you say you are, then you're going to be my God. If you have not done this yourself, by the way, you know, made a commitment that God would be your God, then, I mean, I know I'm a pastor, but I highly, highly recommend that you do that today. But what's so crazy about this story, to me, and I hope it is to you, is that God blesses Jacob before Jacob commits to God. Isn't that something? God has already blessed him with the blessing of Abraham, and it is only after that that Jacob commits to God. Normally, we'd expect it the other way around. Commit to God, then he'll bless you. But that's not what happened here. This is the grace of God, church. Before we believe in God, he extends his love and promises to us. He invites us, not because we're good people, not because we're honest, not because we're good, I mean, Jacob was a liar, and he was a cheater, and he was deceitful, but God chose him and shows us his grace in choosing him. We're all liars and cheaters, too, if we're honest. I know I've lied a few times in my life. Shouldn't have done it, but I did, and God still called me. God offers his blessing to us anyways. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jacob sets up that pillar and calls the place Bethel, which, as I've said, means a house of God. And he commits to give God 10% of all that he gets from God. This is the moment, again, where he does what his father Abraham did because Abraham gave 10% of all he gained to God. And so that is what we do when we give offering here. And if you're not doing that yet, I recommend that you do it as well. You can't say that God is your God and not give him, give him of your money as an act of worship. So, we've been through the story now. Now let's see Christ in the story. The first place we see Jesus in the story is the same place we've seen him over and over again. And that's in the person of Jacob. What did Jesus say about himself? Dustin read it this morning. Jesus said, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And by that, he meant he was a wanderer. Jesus had no bed. Jesus had no pillow. He had but the open air and a stone upon which to prop his head. And so, there we can see Jesus in Jacob. Because like Christ, Jacob has nowhere to lay his head. Nevertheless, it is precisely through the homeless Lord that the blessing of Abraham ultimately comes to the nations. Jacob lays his head on a rock, and so God says, in you all the nations will be blessed. Jesus Christ, 
who in life had nowhere to lay his head, and perhaps even more significantly, in death had nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have his own tomb. It belonged to another. And in the tomb, he laid his head on the stone of the grave's floor. And in this, Lord Jesus Christ, who in life and in death had nowhere to lay his head, all people are blessed. And we are recipients of that blessing this morning. So we see Jacob represents Christ as he has nowhere to lay his head. We can also see Jesus, not only in the person of Jacob, but also in Jacob's dreaming and in his waking. In the dream, as we read it, he saw a ladder upon which the angels ascended and descended to and from heaven. That ladder is Christ. I mean, Jesus himself said it. Deacon Katie read it this morning. It is upon Christ that the angels ascend to and descend from heaven. And it is in Christ that heaven and earth are now in communication. Glory to God. In Christ, heaven and earth form a common community. And we're part of that community. Angels and humans fellowshipping together in the presence of God. There's angels here even now, church. That was in his sleeping. Jacob also saw Christ in his waking. Jacob takes the rock upon which he had laid his head and he props it up, standing it on its end as if it were a living stone. And that rock is Christ. Jesus is the one who took on flesh. He is the one who came down to the rocks and stones of the earth to become man. And he is the one who is anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit, just as Jacob anointed the rock with oil. So God the Father pours the Holy Spirit upon his only begotten Son. And in Christ, God says once and for all that his creation is Bethel, and the whole world is the house of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we've heard the story, we've seen Jesus. That leaves me with what we need to say to ourselves as the church. What shall we do? Hey, Dre. What shall we do? We're about to take some love to our neighborhood with some burgers and dogs, a dunk tank and a bouncy house, and a friendly handshake. Jesse, you can uh, ring the sheep bell. You know, because the kids are sheep, and we have a bell for them. He looked at me puzzled. My prayer, church, is that every person in this neighborhood, called the Lucas Farms neighborhood, my prayer is that every person in this neighborhood will sense that at this church is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. You know, uh, Pastor Armel Fandohan, who has spoken here at church, he's a pastor over at uh, Voice of Christ Ministries. We pray for them on the regular here at church because they are our partners in, the, in this precious gospel that we proclaim. He told me once that he had a dream about our church. He'd been praying for our church. And in that dream, he said that people were walking past our church who have never stepped foot in this sanctuary. 
And he said that the people who were walking by the church, they noted that there was some gate there, some blockade to keep them from coming into the church. And he said that a miracle took place in the dream. All of a sudden, all these people who had seen this supposed blockade realized that the barrier wasn't real. That someone had just dropped some obstruction in the way of the doors of the church, not even on purpose. It had been accidentally and haphazardly dropped there. But then all of a sudden, people realized not only that it wasn't supposed to be there, but that it wasn't really stopping them from coming anyways. And so they joined us here at Resurrection Assembly. So my prayer is, church, that all people would recognize this place as Bethel, the house of God. And that they would come here and worship with us and receive the blessing of Abraham in Christ. And I pray that they would recognize this place not as the house of God because there is something special about us. I mean, we're not anything special. We're just a bunch of liars and cheaters like Jacob. But I pray that they will recognize this place as Bethel, the house of God, because the rock and the ladder himself, Jesus Christ, is here. I want them to see that we are the living stones with him. And I want them to see that we have the oil of the Holy Spirit poured out upon us. I want them to step in the doors of the church and say like Jacob, this is none other than the gate of heaven. I want them to dream dreams. I want them to see visions of angels ascending and descending in our midst. Can we believe God for that church? Can we? I think we can. May God help our unbelief. So that is my prayer. The presence of God will beckon people forward into this church as he does into all of his church. So we are going to approach the table now. This meal. This meal is uh, the meal in which heaven and earth touch. It is but bread and wine, but it is the body and blood of Christ our Lord. So let's taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. Amen? Amen. Will you rise to your feet this morning? I invite Holly. Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. The 10th of July, 2022. Jacob's Ladder. Genesis 28, verses 10 through 22. Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. July 17th, 2022. Jacob's Wives. Genesis chapter 29, verses 1 through 30.